What's up, everybody? I'm J.J. John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on all things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, man. Okay. Get going. Um, Get going. Ready? I'm always ready. I'll tell you this. Are you though? You're not though. Actually, uh, no. Actually, no, I'm never. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually got something to tell. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RSC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks, man, but I want to know what you want to tell me. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It seems like a small thing, but for me, it's a big thing. Okay, Uh-oh. so... You're about to fire me live on air. No, it's not bad. So, you know that, that track by Stardust, mu- uh, Music Sounds Better With You? Yes. I love it, right? And I was like, oh my goodness, that band was so good. I wonder what happened to them. So I was like, did a bit of homework and I was like... Did you? Yeah. Oh, one of them... Yeah, yeah. One of them yeah. was part of Daft yeah. Punk. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I literally only realised that yesterday yesterday <laughs> and here i was ryan here i was like oh no stardust was so good i wonder what happened to them i hope they really got a career and kicked on but they just seem so promising it's like they were dark wow so yeah that that was yeah and that that blew my mind sorry i don't i don't get out much ryan so that just blew my blew oh, my man. mind really yeah 20 23 years that's my 23 years google was right there 23 years yeah so that's my big weekend news <laughs> 23 Yes. That's probably the coldest take of all time. Um, but yes, yeah, so that, that was that was the most exciting thing that happened my weekend, which was actually very good, but that was the most exciting thing. But I found that they had happy careers. How was your weekend? Uh, it was, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still reeling from that. <laughs> <laughs> 23, I know, I know, I know. Oh, Musa, 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 Musa. How are you though? Now you've uh, <laughs> Unburdened myself. learned things. I'm actually very good. I had I read quite a bit this weekend. Um, watched a couple of series. Watched an astonishing documentary, not for the faint-hearted, uh, called "The Act of Killing." Yeah, um, I've not seen that yet. It's unbelievable. And there is also watch, been watching Foundation on Apple TV, which is oh, the new sort of Isaac yeah, Asimov, Asimov one. I've got that lined up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, no spoilers. Um, I'm getting into it. Uh, some it's going to take a while to spoil it because it's about. Yeah, it'll be about eighty hours. Long, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and also as well, uh, the Marvel What Ifs that I watched. Oh, I've got loads to catch up on. Yeah, there's some there's some superb stuff there. So yeah, just lots of reading, lots of just absorbing culture, um, diving into French House. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I watched Squid Game. I binge I binge watched it. I saved it and did it in two sittings, like Friday night, Saturday morning. It's really incredible, right? Everyone's talking oh about it. Oh my God. The hype is real. There's one, no, no spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but there's, there's one episode where some different characters come in later in, not, not in, involved in the actual game per se, but as a kind of like exterior supporting plot thing. Mm. Uh, and they're like the, my least favorite things in it, let's say. Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, 
the rest of it's incredible. I was thinking about this the other day, like, you know how, like, you know, TV is like, it's like the new, you know, like people say, oh, like novels are not so much, but TVs are really, TV is like, these series are like novels now. Like the mm. depth, the richness of the characters, um, you actually, you, you put in the group, actually, we're chatting WhatsApp and you said um, how like each scene from that could be framed yeah. on a wall. Yeah. And there, I will say this, there are some scenes in Foundation, um, and again, no spoilers, there are some scenes in Foundation, particularly the first episode, where you're just like, that is visually, like, you know, it is, you know, the cliche, it, it is breathtaking. Like you're mm. sitting there and you suddenly realise that you haven't, <laughs> you haven't closed your mouth for like a couple of minutes. It was really that good. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk TV. No, no, no. We're here to we're, that's immerse not ourselves. Our, that's, we're not trying to step on Chris and Andy's toes. No. We are very much amateurs in that field and they are very much professionals. That's not our parish. Yeah, yeah. We are here to discuss shall I say, dare I say, a far more immersive medium. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Look at the segue. Look, this, you know what, can I just say, how about that segue? How about we talk about an industry where you couldn't write this? Yes. <laughs> but you could absolutely write this quite all the time. Uh, we're going to talk about football. We are indeed. But before we go on to that, first of all, we want to say, hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated yes. if you can. Uh, yep. Some admin quickly, Wright's House this week, you and Mayoa will be on Wright's House this week. Yep, yep. Looking forward to that. That'll be up Wednesday. Um, I might have a piece going up on the ringer this week. You had one go up. Yes. Hamas Rodriguez. Very interesting indeed. Lovely thank piece. Oh, thank you, my friend. Uh, yeah, just about Hamas Rodriguez and how brief your time at the top of the game can be, no matter how hard you, t- you get to uh, get up there. I mean, uh, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't peaked. So I haven't, because I, I haven't even peaked. Sorry. <laughs> I realised that, that my, my attempts at giving you a compliment would have very much not been a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but Moose, you had a brief time to peak. I oh, know you didn't even peak. <laughs> Moose is not lonely enough to be at the top yet. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, oh it's so true it's so real oh goodness <laughs> <laughs> why does that tickle me so much I'm sorry <laughs> uh, anyway my career as a poet does feel like the book of Job to be honest so yeah um, all yeah good. but that's like your, your, your career as a poet is like saying yeah but he can also fill in at centre back <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like you're really really good at that but it's not it's not what people signed you for. No, but it marks you out forever. I think once you've been a poet, yeah, once you've, once you've lived that life. That's like, yeah. that's big, like, he could play anywhere along the back yeah. line energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play anywhere. <laughs> I carry the drinks. He's a writer. He's a, he's a musician. He's a poet. He's a podcaster. That's, he can also play like, along the back line. Play, yeah, he can play along <laughs> the back, the entire back line. <laughs> Oh, it's so real. It's so people real. People actually signed him as a centre midfielder. That's a, that's true. Ah, oh, very kind. Thank you, man. Yes, let's let's. Other bits of admin: Stadio Outro yes. playlist on Spotify. If you want to listen to all the tunes we play out with each episode, and also we put a playlist up on Friday because it was Nigerian Independence Day, and yes. Nigerian footballers and music are something that we are both very fond of. Indeed, two two hour long playlist of some of our favourite bits of Nigerian music that are on Spotify. Yeah. So that's on the Spotify, uh, the Stadio Spotify page as well, uh, if you want to go and check that. So today we're going to talk about some taking the music tip. I'm going to give a little nod to scientists, some dangerous matches. Yes, indeed. From the Premier League, from La Liga, from the Bundesliga, and then a little quick wrapper for some other stuff. Yeah. Before we get into that, we're going to get into a serious story yeah. coming from the States. So let's do that now because we wanted to address this at the top of the show. We're not going to go into a huge amount of detail on this purely because... The reporting of it has been so exhaustive and so genuinely incredible yeah. with so much context, so much detail and, and basically completely frames it exactly how you need to read it. We would rather direct you properly to go read in detail about it. Basically, in summary, a number of former players have accused North Carolina Courage, well now ex North Carolina Courage head coach Paul Riley of sexual coercion spanning multiple teams and leagues for over a decade since 2010. Yeah. I'm taking this from the summary on the athletics site where the story was broken by one of the donnest of dons, yeah. Meg Linehan. If you do not follow Meg, please do so. Absolutely incredible women's football writer. She did a huge investigation on this, spoke to ex-players, including Sinead Farrelly and Mana Shim 
who both played under Riley. And I would really recommend going and read it if you haven't seen what's been going on here. It comes at a season when obviously uh, Richie Burke was also fired by the Washington Spirit yeah. a couple of months ago and a number of things have come out about the Spirit. Um, the story was published on Thursday. Riley was fired. His coaching license was suspended by the US Soccer Federation. And then on Friday, NWSL Commissioner Lisa Baird and General Counsel Lisa Levine were essentially ousted. Resignation accepted, yeah. 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 The games were suspended over the weekend. A number of players have come out and shared either their own experience or uh, experience of the culture in the league. And there was a really interesting thing that Meg, I think Meg was on, um, I mean, just shout, another shout for Meg, because I don't think, I mean, the story is seismic mm. and... Meg's work has really done a huge amount to expose this. She was on a, I saw a clip of her, I think she was on MSNBC, I think. And she was saying that there's a really interesting separation between the NWSL as a concept right. and the NWSL as an organization. And the concept right. is obviously quite positive because it involves a lot of the players and some of the, and the fandom and, you know, that kind of thing. The reality is an organization that has been, well, for example, you'll find out in the piece, but there were, Previous investigations against Riley, who was then fired by an organization, and then he was able to be hired elsewhere. Yeah. A number of people were listening to this and being like, okay, we've heard the story before in other elements of sport, especially within women's sport. Right. It's a league that we've covered when, you know, we did it last year for the Challenge Cup, and it's, it's a league yeah. that we keep our eye on, even though we don't cover it as much as we'd love to. Basically, in short, as ever, the players deserve better. They deserve far better working conditions. They deserve far better respect. Abuse and coercion should never be present in any environment. It's, it's one thing I note. Um, so when a, a story like this comes out, and the amazing thing about investigative journalism like this is it really helps to peel back the layers, right? So the ripple mm. effect is interesting. So when often a case like this breaks, there's normally a rush to be like, oh, this is kind of like, it's one organization, it's one person. And then as the layers get peeled back, I mean, uh, so Farid Benstiti was sacked in July from the Errol Reign. Mm -hmm. And as a result of this, um, the CEO, Bill Predmore, came out and said, uh, actually, yeah, it was inappropriate comments. And they lied about the reasons for sacking initially. Mm. And it's almost like the ripple effect caused by this one case, it's making me wonder how, how deep it goes. Mm. Because for it to be perpetuated at that level, it feels like it's like a profound structure. Well, it's quite obviously is a profound structural problem. Um, you talk about the players deserving better. And I just, um, I wonder how much more it can take of this stuff. Cause we know it's a different context. And of course it's not in relation to sport. We've got a similar thing in the UK with questions about the policing, the Metropolitan Police and their institutional misogyny and the rest of it. And I suppose I really hope it's a kind of, this is a moment for a, a radical reframing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Just to me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think in the short term, it's extremely positive if you look at the speed of, you know, the speed at which people have managed to get people to clean house. And I just think it really, it really speaks to the power of investigative journalism. You Absolutely. Know, it is, yeah, yeah, it sets the agenda. Yeah. Um, just there's been a new temporary committee, um, which is including Amanda Duffy, who was formerly the president of the NWSL, Kansas City co-owner Angie Long and Noel Rain, NWSL board representative Sophie Sauvage. They're leading the league on front office on a temporary basis at the moment yeah another example of abuse within sport which should just never have been allowed to happen and as soon as it got flagged that person should never have been able to work in in that environment again i don't yeah. think these are athletes that are not financially rewarded or compensated to the same level as many in the men's game especially in top leagues at all and that fragility in terms of living situation is one of the things that coaches it's an atmosphere will prey that enables, on yeah, with things it enables, like that. Yeah, enables, yeah, enables, yeah, it becomes enabling for this kind of abuse. Just a truly heartbreaking story. However, like we said, again, like full credit to Meg for going into such depth on this and breaking the story. And to be honest, sending an absolute shockwave. This, even though there have been, from my limited knowledge comparatively of the NWSL, and, and obviously this is still quite a fairly new league, but mm. the women's professional leagues in the US over the last, 10, 15, 20 years. There have been cases like this that have come up before for sure. However, this one seems to have broken through to such a level yeah. that the NWSL have to be extremely careful going forward now. They cannot allow anything like this to ever happen again. Right, right. Ever. 
you know, and not that, that, that it should take a case like this to do so, but do you know what I mean? It's like from a purely like optics point of view, you think well, that this is yeah, you're right. shaking them to the, yeah. to the very core that like yeah. hopefully changes will be brought in and a structure and a, an environment will be created where this cannot be allowed to happen again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just anything else you want to add on that? Or we... Well, no, I, I just feel the same as you. Like they're, a lot of the people, it's so interesting how the senior figures in this have come out and there's a paper trail, you know, there's an actual paper trail in some cases where they've actively ignored mm-hmm. complaints, concerns over the course of months. And, it, you know, this pattern of, frankly, let's be frankly, like mediocre executives at the very top, exploiting the labor of athletes, providing a spectacle that they're not well remunerated for. Like this has to stop. This isn't unique to women's game, but I think it's a, it's an especially egregious structure where you see that. So yeah, I hope it does all change, but yeah. Um, listen, fingers yeah, crossed. just full, full support for players in that league and yeah. you all deserve better. Yeah. And I hope you get better moving forward. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, man, so let's go from something really, really nasty to something that brought a huge amount of joy this weekend. Yes. And that was Pep Guardiola taking off his jacket, <laughs> exposing a mad te- Chester t-shirt, being like, who wants to fight me? <laughs> Pep is, uh, he's really feeling something this year, it has to be said. So, yeah, headline, of course, Liverpool 2, Manchester City 2. Wow, what a game. What a game of football this was. Um, gave me all the vitamins, gave everyone, I think, all the vitamins. Oh, no one's getting sick for years after this. No, 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 no. This was, this was, oh my goodness. Where do we even, okay, so. Weird beginning, I thought. Yes and no. Yes and no. Well, actually, okay, weird beginning. Okay, start interesting. The beginning. Okay, so weird beginning in the sense that there's an early counterattack that Manchester City tried. They're playing Grealish as the false nine, uh, Foden out wide. They start this counter and no one really rushes into place in the central area. And I thought, this is super weird. Like, City with all this possession mm-hmm. and Having said that, in a strange way, positionally quite conservative, this is a paradox of like, we've got all the ball, we're not really going to crash a six-yard box. Happened a couple of times in the first half. And City applying so much pressure, and we've said this before, like sort of the tantric football, like the build-up, but actually like the cutting edge wasn't there. But at the same time, Liverpool just couldn't play out. Ironic City- on their weekend, which sure, Sting turned 70. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, happy birthday, Sting. <laughs> um, what I say about, so the first half, Liverpool just couldn't really get out. No, um, I mean, I, I went back and looked through their um, first half XG throughout the season. And this was by far the lowest. They only had one shot, which was blocked. And they had an right. XG of 0.02. It was unreal. And that, yeah. it, it's funny because it's one of those few times, this is the thing I love about stats. There are times when the stats absolutely marry with what you're seeing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the level of dominance that City enjoyed territorial terms. But another strange thing happened where they published the, the average, um, field position of the city players. And I was like, that also mm. makes sense. It was like, you know, it's like one of those like um, Hollywood blockbuster movies and the alien spaceship is just there hanging in the sky, but doesn't fire at like a weapon for like Independence months. Day, it's just there. Or like, or like, or like, yeah, like independent. It's just there, but it's there for months and doesn't fire. And you know, it's got this laser, but it doesn't really take it out and obliterate you. And I feel like the first half was like this. Ah, but for, I have a question for you. Yep, yep, In that for, analogy, who's yep. City's laser? It ended up being Foden because he loves playing against Liverpool Anfield, as it turns out. Uh, and I thought he was, like many others uh, watching the game, thought he was outstanding. Yeah, uh, he was to be honest. Yeah, he was really something else. There's something about the way that Foden receives the ball, which is very reminiscent I think it's fair to say this now of David Silva, in the way that he has this amazing ability to always have the game. Like he's, I think that's why Pep loves Matt Wide because he receives the ball side on. He reminds me very much of Eden Hazard, actually. That's interesting. Well, he's kind of a hybrid. Yeah. He's a strange hybrid of both. But Liverpool came out in the second half and they really had to, so went goalless at half, 
I maybe felt slightly fortunate in that sense. Mm. And they came out and they were really aggressive. Completely different side in the second half. And they targeted the right flank. But this is really a really great. interesting... Did you write the tweet about Pep kind of owning title rivals or was it Grace? No, it wasn't me. Grace did a great summary of this actually for her newsletter. Mm, yeah, she Grace did. Robertson. Someone, I think uh, it, I think it might have been Grace wrote a, a tweet about how Pep has essentially come out and completely tactically dominated Tuchel and Klopp within the space of, what, a week? Mm. Was it a week? Yeah, City, uh, yeah, Liverpool, yeah, yeah. City, City yeah. Chelsea was last week, right? Chelsea City. Yep, yep. The difference was that I think Klopp this time reacted in a far better way. Right. But not with changes. There were no halftime changes. It was quite a surprise, I think, to see James Milner come on, uh, stay on. As much as we all love James Milner, yeah. we're, we're huge fans of James Milner, but he... He had a difficult afternoon. Yeah. But then Liverpool took the lead with Sadio Mane, which was a lovely goal. Salah had uh, the assist for this. Stunning assist. And was very much in like kind of messy mode, which I think yeah, is yeah. a little bit disrespectful actually, because I think Mo Salah is obviously his own player. We don't have to compare everything back to Lionel Messi. But I think just the way that he kind of took control of the game yeah. in the second half, being decisive, especially with like playmaking initially, which was the weight of the pass for the first goal for yeah, Manning's goal was absolutely amazing. And the way he breaks the challenge on the halfway line was unreal as well. So As good. a winger. Yep, yep. And there are so few players in the world that can do that. To, to, I mean, we've all talked about Mo Salah before, about how deadly it can be, how occasionally his finishing can be a little bit wasteful. But when he's on, he's on. Well, that's it. Actually, you look at like peak Eden Hazard, it was like that as well. Mm, yeah. You know, Hazard is someone who, we've said this before, like a few, well, I've said it a thousand times before, this thing about the very small number of players at any time in world football who can run at a crowded defence. Actually, mm. shout out to Bernardo Silva, he can do it. Mm. There's a very small number of players at 80 point in the world who can run at a crowd of defenders mm. and improvise a solution. And Salah is absolutely like that. His ability, we saw it for his, well, we'll get to that. But throughout the game, his ability to improvise at high speed on the run is what puts him in a category of like maybe no more than five, 10 footballers in the world at any one time. He's mm. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Foden got City back in it with a lovely, lovely goal, which was actually, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it reminded me a little bit, well, it didn't remind me at the time, but uh, after seeing them both, it reminded me a little bit of very, very similar to Philip Kostic's goal for Eintracht, actually. Yeah. Oh, actually, I will say the one thing that was um, the slight difference. What's impressed about this was the build-up by Gabriel Jesus True. when yeah. he ran across the top of the the def- you know, that that is that is very that is hotly contested real estate. That's part of Liverpool's box. The way he drew the defenders and played that ball in was just beautiful, and he made it look easy. But there's so much going into a run and a pass like that. Grealish came off for Sterling. Still wild that Raheem Sterling can't really get in. in the after that Euros, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. not Grealish's best game to be fair. Playing in a slightly unfamiliar role, but still, they had a couple of chances in that first half, didn't they? Yeah. But there was nothing, they didn't really feel like anything was super, super glaring from memory. And it felt like there was almost like Liverpool at a certain point in the second, first half were managing the game. Mm. When they realised how intense mm. it was, it was almost like, you know what, let's just like take this thing from this, mm-hmm. get to the break and regroup. You could almost feel that from about sort of 20 something minutes on when it was like, okay, this is the onslaught. We talked about this before the game. We expected this all week. This was going to come. Let's consolidate. And then because at the break, what basically happens is a conversation from Klopp, right? Mm. It's a conversation about intensity. That, that's what happens because... You can always tell when he's straight off down the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, he ran. And can you imagine that? You're a player and you see Klopp running down the tunnel. You're like, oh God, like he's going to... He's going to see you. He's a big dude, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a side note, Klopp's been on so many adverts in Germany at the moment. Just always on it. He seems like he's on every advert in between. But I said this before. Hearing Klopp speak German is weird to me now because I, I almost like he speaks English like so. I identify with German, English speaking German Klopp so much more. Oh my god, he, he speaks German as well. Like wow. Yeah, but there's one, there's one advert that he he speaks German in. It's an Erdinger advert, I think, and he's just like right, the yeah. guy, He's at the bar and the guy pours a, a a a glass of Erdinger and he goes to like. He's just about to like skim the foam off at the top because it's over. It's over the yes, top. Yes, yes. And yes. Klopp just goes, stop, stop. And everyone yeah, in the bar stops. But I don't know if this has been shown in England either, but it's shown yeah. here. And he just goes, never skim an Erdinger. Love it. I love it. But there was another one. There was a Deutsche Bank advert where it was Klopp just stood around with a load of sheep on the weekend as well. It was quite, quite well, got to, Actually, shout out to Klopp as well. Um, not only for his commercial activities, but for his his medical activities, medical advocacy. So his I mean, advocacy. Yeah. 
of yeah his advocacy of the vaccine that fa- that 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 speech was very impressive considering that's Brilliant. in a second language as well man like <sighs> never fails to impress me someone wrote to me and said oh like i don't say this often but i we could really do with a guy like that in politics and actually funny enough i i disagree i think that He's exactly where he needs to be. And actually, I do believe that public figures are political figures, no matter what field they're in. Um, and he knows that as well. Yeah, he, he speaks knows out on that stuff all the time. Yeah, his leverage. He knows exactly what he's doing uh-huh. with his leverage. Were you thought that how great yeah, he was I after the homophobic chants at the Norwich game? Amazing. Straight out Amazing. Yeah. afterwards. Shut um, it down. I don't see why we do this. We yeah. don't, there's no, we yeah, don't need there's to no need sing the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Mo Salah's goal. Oh my goodness. You know who's, do you know who's loving this the most? Probably Curtis Jones, who has been credited with an assist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> One for the goals and assists, Brigade. Amazing, amazing. Um, Love Curtis Jones. Uh, yeah, same. But this was all, this was all Mo Salah. So this, okay, this goal was mind-blowing. And the funny thing was, so he beats three men really. So he's, like, mm. uh, he's trying, he's being held back when he gets possession. Actually kind of similar, slightly similar to like Ronaldo at Compostela. Gets the ball in the final third. And then does this beautiful drag and move, which is kind of like a Juan Veron type move. And the funny thing was, it was so fast, I didn't actually catch exactly how good it was. You know, when it first happened, I was just like, oh, he's done an inside out. And I was like, no, he's done the drag and mm-hmm. run. That is an astonishing skill. And then what he does to Emmerich Laporte, oh. this is incredible because people compared this to Jerome Boateng. It's actually even better because he beats him on his left foot. He mm. beats Emmerich Laporte on his favoured side. This is what's incredible. And he sells, he sells the bluff twice. Like he goes in the same direction twice. So Laporte has already processed what he's done to Bernardo Silva, who is one of the best defensive pressing midfielders in that role and is playing really well in this match. So he's, he's on it. And Salah just like absolutely just ghosts him. And the way he beats Imeric Laporte, he actually turns him 180 degrees. Like he's at, at the point when Salah is preparing to shoot Imre Laporte has legitimately lost him. And it's not even his fault. This is the thing. This is the thing to like always emphasize. People are oh, like, you know, this defenders. No, these, these are world-class defenders mm. being absolutely thrown by attacking maneuvers of exquisite quality. Yeah. It's out of, and the finish as well. And what I love about the finish, and this is a small detail. I love it when someone finishes a goal like that and the keeper doesn't get a hand to it. I love when the goal is complete, where absolutely, like you look at that goal again, and he beats, what, three elite so, players. And the finish, though, there was the that amazing slow-mo from behind the goal, but yeah. directly, that was directly in line. In the line, in line yeah. And his, his face just kind of keeping eyes on, and you can tell he knows it's going in. Yes. And then the thing about this goal, which I find, do you know my, my favourite thing about the goal? It co- goes in off the post. Oh, I love this so much. Can I, oh, I, got, I love that you said this. You're taking the lead against Man City at Anfield. You don't need it to go in off the post. You just need it to go in. But the fact that it does go in off the post gives yes. it that, it makes it extra, like it's, it adds at least, the, I think the, the, the official metric is post or bar and in 17.5% better. Actually, let me draw a comparison. I've, I've done the math. I've done the it's math. like when, it's like when a um, 1986 FA Cup final when Ian Rush scores against, against Everton and he hits it oh, and it, it, hits the, it hits the camera. It hits the it camera. Hits, yes, that's Dude, what I'm talking about. You could have just you gone know, back to Harry Maguire's penalty in the Euros, man. That was like three months ago. No, because this felt, because it's the way that like it hits the side netting and the camera and it's like, ding. Yeah, posting in or barring in, it's yeah. like, yes, there's a percentage so, added. It makes a goal a certain percentage better. I think 17.5% for post. 23.5% barony. Okay, this is this is of no interest to anyone but me because I still hang, I still hang on to this years later. But I mean, um, what is anything on this podcast? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Gosh. Oh, God. <sighs> okay, well no one asked for this, but they're gonna for get an it audience anyway. of two. We we this was our like, it was our remit where we started, which was like this or this podcast is made for an audience of two, you and I. And that is it. So, so my second year at like at school, like uh secondary school, we had we had like trials, football trials, right? And I was in the first team and they had this guy that came to trials. Ryan, he did like his uh, shooting practice mm. and it was astonishing. I remember it to this day, he did a shooting practice. The top two, the first two went in the top corner. Then he did, the first one got saved and the fourth one, Ryan, dipped over. We had an astonishing goalkeeper that year. The ball dipped over him and went in off the crossbar. And do you know what, Ryan? My heart sank because that was the moment I knew. I was like, when, and, and this, I, mem- I remember the sound to this day. I remember the sound to this day and I knew then I was doomed. I'm like, 
I can't shoot like that. Who's I can't used to watch that. this guy hit one in off the crossbar at what, 12 and years old? And I knew that was and it. And you were it like, I'm going to be a poet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, when you see something, you know, when you see a level, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I saw that, Ryan. I was just like, you know, there's levels to it. And it was almost like going off the post. It was the precision of it. Like what Salah did, there's no margin. And you saw it, like you say, you saw him watching it. And each element of that goal. I can't so believe he just took Mo Salah's goal and started talking about football trials at 12 years old. Because it takes you back because you realise when it's when you see something of quality that is so, but the thing about Mo Salah in that game, which is important, and the point I suppose the analogy I'm drawing is when you see something that is so far above everything else in yeah, that match, so like good. you see the quality. Is, I think this is the thing. That's, that, yeah. that's a really good point. Sorry it's, to cut in, yeah. but like yeah. a game that was already of obscenely high quality Exactly. Then has an extra layer of quality that is that far exceeds anything else we've even seen already. Even though it is one of the yeah. most high quality. Fi- it's the, You're like, the, how it's is yeah. the, like over the last what three, four years? It's probably been the most the high, best fixture. consistently yeah. high quality yeah. fixture in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily always the best game, but in terms of like high quality and intense, high quality and intensity, it's usually there. And this was just another example of it. It then. I can't remember if this happened before. Did James Milner, should James Milner have been booked before the goal or just after? I think it was just before, right? Because then Liverpool before. scored and Pep and Bernardo Silva get booked right right after the goal because they're like Pep's. Pep was furious about that. But then again, having said that, in, in his, in mitigation, here I am defending Pep. Milner should have gone. These, look at these three games. Yeah, but Milner should have gone. Yes, yes. Milner should have gone and also Chelsea... PSG, Liverpool in a week. I mean, that's a week. That's a hell that's of a week. That's incredible. I yeah. mean, that's an incredible schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see why the pressure is already at a certain point. You see why the reaction is like this. Yeah. Milner was fortunate, I have to say. Yeah. Club took him straight off after that, put Joe Gomez on. It was just like, no, 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 no. I see where this, I see where this yeah. is going. And then De Bruyne deflected goal, but it was a really work, well-worked goal before that. And then the, the uh, finish deflected off Fabino and went in to equalise. I think De Bruyne scored this because he was feeling left out. <laughs> that was an angry celebration from Pep. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, yeah. very angry. We've had some great skirmishes actually so far in this Premier League. Mm. Like you see the City-Chelsea um, game and this one, like the quality actually we've had so early. These teams are not giving each other anything. Yeah, I mean, Rodri, uh, well, like yeah. Fabinho had that one where Rodri blocked. Rodri, that was unbelievable. That, that yeah. That's an unreal stop. But, there's the, but also you see the difference there between elite attacking players and players who aren't used to being in that position. You take it first time. It's just the, yeah. it's just the, it's the speed. It's first like, I don't want to draw yeah. like, I don't want to draw like a Western analogy, but it's like the difference between like me yeah. or between the quick and the dead. Sundance kid. That's what it is. Doc Holiday, yeah. yeah. And because you know that like if, if Salah gets that with Manny, they just go high first time. And that's in the roof of the net. And Fabinho was like, let me steady myself. And Rodri was like, ah, the party is over. Overall, this was probably a fair result. Absolutely fair. Yeah, yeah. They seem to both kind of think like, yeah, this is... Yeah, they both know. This is absolutely mm. fine. Yeah. It means that Liverpool are a point behind Chelsea. Man City are just two points behind Chelsea. Interesting, Man City are level on points with Manchester United and have scored the same amount of goals, just conceding three fewer. But... Chelsea beat Southampton on Saturday 3-1 to, to, to go top. Good win for them. They needed something yeah, after that. the Ward-Prowse sending off really just... Yeah. That, that was a naughty challenge, to be honest. A little bit naughty, James Ward-Prowse. Just very, very quickly, uh, Leeds got their first win of the season. Jumped out the relegation zone above Southampton. Uh, Watford responded in very Watford fashion by firing Munoz after the game. I have to admit, I think this is way way too soon to do this but not an expert on the internal workings of the club but I feel a little bit for them I mean it must be internal stuff because they haven't had the worst start mm. that's not a bad start Ryan I, yeah. seven points from seven games yeah it's not it's not the worst they, they won the first game against Villa like you know they were green shoots as they say there must be something internal we don't know about there must be something internal uh, it looks like Claudio Ranieri is going to be the new Watford boss. I like that. Actually. Well, there you go. I mean, it's one of yeah. those, isn't it? It's just like, well, yeah, well, we liked him, but he didn't really deserve Ranieri's to go, available. but then we got Ranieri back. We need to give Everton some props because that is a very, very good point at Old Trafford. And they yeah. are fifth. They are level on points with Manchester United still. They are level on points with Manchester City. 
A quick shout for Andros Townsend, who probably got the shithouse award of the weekend. Yeah, he did definitely. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. The thing that made it even better though, was that it was kind of a crap execution of it. He yeah. didn't re- like, he even admitted afterwards, he was just like, oh yeah, I didn't really, for those who didn't see it, I mean, you must've seen it by now. Andros Townsend gives Everton the lead, uh, sorry, equalizes for Everton after Anthony Martial had put Manchester United ahead. And, uh, goes and does the Ronaldo celebration, but kind of did it a little bit. It was like, it was like watching a 12 year old do it. It was really, it was actually weirdly wholesome whilst being quite naughty. Is there such a thing as wholesome shit, Alzheimer? Yes, because 99% 99 of the Ronaldo celebrations are not done properly. They don't feel, they're all like that. So like most, I saw that, oh, that's actually like how most of those celebrations look. (laughs) So yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Rafa Benitez doing work. Rafa Benitez is doing work. Another big, big up for Graham Potter, even though Brighton had probably the better of the chances. I think overall, in terms of balance of play, I think it was probably fair. But I think Graham Potter will be massively disappointed. They really have their way in midfield, Brighton, I've got to say, um, in terms of like controlling the tempo, enforcing the issue. But yeah, good um, result. It was, this was a really good nil-nil draw, actually. I actually really enjoyed watching this. I felt like it was one of those funny ones, you know, like football's like that. It's that strange thing where you can see a score and it'd be like, oh God, that wasn't much cop. But actually, there was some great stuff going on. Yeah. Another shout for Brentford. 2-1 at West Ham. Massive Late result. Winner. Yeah. Brentford are two points behind. Everton, well, Brighton, Everton, Manchester United and Manchester City. Incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And a much needed win for Spurs as well. They weren't, I don't think they were great against Villa at all. No. They were resilient though. They were resilient. It was just, it didn't matter how they played. They just needed to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got loads to get through. Yep. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's go to Madrid. It's a Saturday evening. It's mild, about 20 degrees. The Wanda Metropolitano is not quite full, although many said it was. It was not. There were still eight, about 8,000 free seats. However, it sounded like there were about 120,000 people in there because, boy, oh boy, was this place loud. It was so fucking loud. <laughs> oh yes, actually, funny enough, I disagree with you. Andros Townsend, and we won't, you'll get you'll get to this. Andros Townsend did not win shit house. Yes, you're right. The, you're absolutely right. <laughs> of the week award. You're absolutely you right. You're absolutely right. How, how <laughs> could I? I even wrote about this. It might it might be going up on the ringer. I just did a little quick fire thing about it. You're I'll absolutely let you talk, I'll let, right. I'll let you talk about it. I'll let you talk about we'll it. We'll talk yeah. about it. We'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> Ah, this, this was this was incredible. unbelievable. This game this was, incredible. was so good, and actually, so good. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a little quick thing about it, but uh, there was so much in this game. Yes, there was inevitability. There was f- the, a, a level of ferocity. The game. I mean, the the game exploded out of the blocks. Yeah, exploded. It was so loud at the Wonder, the fullest it's been since Suarez has been there since pre-pandemic. It's the first time Suarez has seen it like that as an Atleti player. Uh, remember, you know, he kind of fired them to the title when yeah. no one was there. Right. And I thought this is like the truest test that either of them have faced so far this season in the league. And I think the really interesting thing is that 
it answered so many questions that I, I think everyone has been trying to figure out so far this season. <laughs> Maybe the most interesting one is that Alfred Schroeder should actually be the Barcelona manager. And if Barcelona were going to fire Koeman, <laughs> he's probably the only person they could afford to replace him. No lies, Malo's, no lies are told. I thought it was Barcelona's best two and a half minutes of football this season at the beginning. Oh, God. Which, don't laugh. Don't Sorry. laugh. This isn't Sorry. me. This isn't me teasing. It was genuinely like, Barca looked good here. That first two and a half minutes, Barca looked really good. They were popping the ball around with a really good tempo. But the problem was, once those two and a half minutes were up, Atleti broke and it was like, ah, Barcelona could not handle Atleti on the break at all. I mean, bear in mind that this was a game that ended with Barcelona had 71% possession. How many times have we seen this Barcelona Atleti before? Or Atleti anyone before? Probably the truest Atleti we've seen this season. And it raised some really interesting points about, I mean, do you know what? I've been waffling for a bit. You talk for a bit. No, 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 no. I'm agreeing with you because I, I was just thinking as you were talking about a Champions League game where Atleti have 28% possession against Dortmund and they beat Dortmund at home mm -hmm. and it was 2-0 and Dortmund did not lay a glove on them. Yep. And the movement here, this was the thing. You look at Thomas Lamar and the, you know, the breakthrough game, when is it coming? But you know, really this, I have not seen those three work in tandem and shout out to Carrasco as well, who did a lot of brilliant things. Joao Felix, Thomas Lamar and Luis Suarez do this brilliant thing where they're everywhere and nowhere. Yep. So if you look at the goal, the first goal, and they're, you know, Barcelona are actually quite tightly packed in the midfield. If you look at the actual shape when you freeze the game, mm -hmm. Barca are in position, but they're already dead. Like yep. the way that uh, Joao Felix pulls wide and it's brilliant, this kind of role he's got where he's playing nominally as a kind of second striker, but frankly was just like everywhere. It was like, you know, pulling in particular wide left. So you could see the play actually kind of like a similar to a Phil Foden type position and just seeing all of the play and just opening up it was, it was time that and move. again. Because he, he took Mingreza and Araujo with him, yeah, and that was the thing that again. completely opened it up. I actually wrote this in the piece about how it was just like, Lamar couldn't really believe his luck, because he, yeah. he uh, Felix to Suarez, Suarez lays it off to Lamar, and Lamar's kind of just, almost strolling into the space yeah. that was completely vacated by Mingreza and, and Araujo, because of Felix's yeah. movement to the, to the left. He just took two Unreal. of them out of the game. Right. And, the, yeah, they and they never quite clocked it. They never quite, right. it wasn't, they didn't clock it. So they maybe knew what was happening. They had a sense of the danger, but they knew how dangerous he was in a deep line position. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're kind of, they're concerned about the danger that he posed from deep area. They crashed it and he opened up the space. And the thing about this is, we talk about spacing. Thomas Lamar has not been as crucial as, let's say, a Carrasco to exploit those open spaces. And that's been the problem for Atleti consistently, that when people draw men, they don't have the overload to really go after you. And now this is exciting for Atleti because this development, if Lamar can start producing like Carrasco does, this is a problem. Mm. This is a big problem for their opponents. But yeah, then the thing is like Barcelona again had all the ball, but Atleti just let him have it. They were just like, we yeah, don't yeah, need it. Yeah. And it's every time Atleti got the ball and broke, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of not, not quite panic stations for Barca. Maybe it was the noise that added to it, but it really felt like it was just, Barca just couldn't cope. And it was yeah. really interesting, I think, to see PK and Busquets yeah, were talking after that first goal. And I think what I think is happening there, I can't lip read and, I, and my Spanish isn't great, obviously. But what I think, or maybe they're speaking Catalan, but what I imagine is going on there is that as a deep line centre midfield player, when you see your centre back and your right back get pushed, pulled that far out of position, you have to tuck. Yeah. And he was high up. Busquets and he was, was way high. too high. And Very I think high. that's what yeah. PK's saying. Like PK's just like, you got, a, you guys have got one of you. Usually, actually, I think if the thing was, De Jong was pushed so high for this game. There were pluses and minuses, I think, for, for Koeman's shape. I think this is it's clear that what this means going forward is that Barca just don't need to play a back three. Barca are so much better with a four. Yeah. But having De Jong so far high, he actually gives you quite a lot defensively. Right, yeah. And I think if De Jong is in the Busquets position there, I think De Jong clocks that danger. Um, and makes it because he's quicker than, than Busquets. I've just never liked Dion that high up the pitch. I mean, and so we've said this a thousand times. So just on the attacking moves and configurations, brilliant move that plays in Suarez from Joao Felix in the first half. He puts narrowly wide and mm. then, scores, then Suarez scores a lovely goal and the goal celebration, which we'll get into, first of all, does not celebrate loudly out of respect for Barcelona and what he did for that club. But then there are two parts of celebration, of course, which mm -hmm. we'll get to. Um, Ronald Keeman up in the, uh, I think, director's box 
on the phone giving instructions down to the touchline for much of the game. And Poor Henrik Larsson, man. Goodness me, yeah, yeah. Um, who knows who else Kuman was calling, to be honest, frankly, at that point. Existential phone calls into the void. No, but, no. Uh, did you not see it? It clocked. It was Henrik Larsson on the hands-free. And he yeah. was, it was like all game. He was just like, it cut to Henrik Larsson when he was, and he was just like... Oh my goodness. <laughs> but then also, um, Suarez then does a sort of, puts his phone to his ear, his imaginary phone to his ear and makes a phone call. And when asked after the game about the celebration... And whether it was a reference. Oh, no, 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 no. Of no, not. no. Which absolutely <laughs> means 100% it was. <laughs> Referring to the 30-second phone call that Ronald Koeman made to Luis Suarez that told him he was, he was no longer required by the club. Yes. Which was not an unfair shout, actually. No, we said this context, at the time. But it was the, way, it was the way it was handled. I thought Rodrigo de Paul, again, was amazing in this game. He's yeah. been what such an sign. impressive signing for, for, for Atleti. Um, right, let's get on to quickly what this means for Atleti and Barca because we've got still got stuff to get through. Okay, yes. so... This is absolutely the best configuration for Atleti this season going forward if they want to win everything they want to go right. for. For top games this season, this is the blueprint for Atleti. But one thing I was thinking, it was just a, like a, a thing off the top of my head. I was just like, where does Griezmann get into this side? And if you look at the length of the contract or the loan, it's what, a two-year loan with an option to buy after that. Suarez might be done by then. I think he's a long-term replacement for Suarez. That's and he thing. plays the nine. Absolutely. Yeah. And that works. That works. And that, that kind of works. Yeah. I think it works perfectly. And it's a nice transition. And it's nice because it allows Griezmann. It's funny. We've talked a lot about the difficulty of transitioning away from one forward to another one, but it's the succession is really, really solid. And the funny thing when you look at this 11, we talk about identity a lot in football. You look at that starting 11 the other day, and those players all have the kind of, I guess you can call it the Atleti DNA, right? They all have it. They all. You know, there's an element of the, the sort of the sacrificial style of play, the hard work, thriving out of possession. They've mm. all got that in spades. And that's why I think they should feel excited. Yeah, love it. From a Barca point of view, I think that this actually is also probably their best configuration. I think there, is, there are signs that, this is why I don't think Kuman will go. If he does go, it will be a really big surprise because I just don't think they can do it from a financial point of view. Otherwise, he would have gone in the summer. There's, I just don't think that there's, I just don't think he stays in the right, summer. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if he does go or if he does, then maybe they give it to Larson or someone like that, you know, like just to kind of steady it. Um, well, if you want to do that, you might as well just keep Kuman there because it's such a, that's an even bigger risk. Giving it to Larson is, is, is a huge I mean, yeah I know it's yeah. a huge risk but I'm saying that like someone who has been around there who maybe doesn't have the the kind of spikiness of a cumin yeah right right I don't yeah. know um, and actually someone who hasn't really got much managerial pedigree might be a better free hit for Barca until the end of the season where they can get someone like Xavi in yeah because if you look at that side the thing that I did find interesting is that there are green shoots for a potential Xavi management right. thing yes yes Nico and Gavi coming through those two are potentially oh I don't want to say it special footballers they could be the next versions of those two bear in mind there was no Pedri yeah it looks like Aguero is going to be fit soon that is another interesting development in Barca what this Barca will do ultimately this season because yeah if you can just have someone to put the ball away and that's it they might not yeah. be dreadful um International break, obviously, Barcelona host Valencia, they host Dinamo Kiev, and then they host Real Madrid in the Clasico on Sunday the 24th. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, because to be honest, Benzema is papering over a lot of cracks. Right, yeah, yeah, this is the thing. They were extremely poor at Espanyol. Ancelotti was very pointed, deliberate, and critical after the game. And I thought he actually handled it really well. He was just like, we had a plan, the players didn't really do it. Um... He was kind of criticising the players without throwing them under the bus, if that makes sense. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. Very Ancelotti-esque. You talk about this, about the keys, giving players the keys. I wonder mm. if Camavinga gets the keys to the midfield quite soon. Maybe. He's been pretty impressive. Real Madrid is still top, but the, the thing is that that win for Atleti is now taking them level on points. But the thing is, Barcelona are only five points behind those top two. And, they've, and they have a game in hand. But then again, it's like the City and Manchester United. Like The direction of travel for Manchester City is clear. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like mm -hmm. You can see clubs moving through the gears. This stage of the season, teams that have favourable schedules can make a leap ahead. Mm -hmm. What's interesting for Real is, so you have Camavinga and Valverde out wide and Modric and Kroos through the middle. 
that feels like a soft center. Mm -hmm. When you see the intensity those two players give you in central roles, I wonder how soon the transition comes away from someone like a Tony Cruz to Camavinga and Valverde starting consistently ahead of him. Mm. Like if you put those two behind, let's say a Modric or put Modric or like, you know, if you put like a pivot, let's say Valverde, Valverde playing ahead of the two of Camavinga and Modric, mm -hmm. that is immediately more secure as a configuration. Yeah. Um, and those fullbacks, Alaba and Vasquez give you width. So it's, they don't need much, they don't need to tweak much uh, Real to be dangerous again. This, the problem is, though, as soon as they get one or two injuries, they are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so thin at the end of last year. It was, it was kind of remarkable, actually, considering the amount of injuries they had, they pushed Real, as close, uh, sorry, Atleti as close as they did. But yeah, very quickly, um, Granada got a win over Sevilla, and that was... The first win of the season. Yeah, and it was... In the derby, the Andalusian and, derby. And they were, they were creeping up on the outside rail, Sevilla. I mean, they're still like, you know, still well set, but they've got a game in hand. So they're doing fine points-wise. It was just, this was, I suppose, the first of setback, yeah. But yeah, shout out to them. Um, quickly in Serie A, there, was a couple, there were a couple of really, really good games in Serie A, but we haven't, yes. haven't got time to talk about them. Do you know what? We would have talked about Atalanta and Milan had the goals happened in a different order because... That's true. The scoreline made this look a lot more dramatic than it actually was. Milan yeah. went 3-0 up. We're a goal up from Calabria after 28 seconds. Tonali yeah. scored a lovely one. Well, after... Um, whose pocket did he pick? I think it was Froiler's. Oh, Remo Froiler, yeah. Oh, he did not have a good first half. No. Um, he struggled. So to give, and then Liao with a lovely, lovely finish after some great work from Teo Hernandez to make it 3-0. And then... Zapata scored a penalty for Atalanta after 86 minutes, which I thought was really harsh. I thought it was super harsh, this penalty. It was given for handball. It ricocheted up off the leg of the player, but like in action. Right. And the thing was, when the ref went over to view the VAR, he only <laughs> watched it in super, super slow-mo. Commentators were really shocked by it on the zone. They were just like, oh, no, it's not. No, this can't be given. Oh, he's given it. Oh, Oh, okay. We've seen a few of those like VAR decisions where they check it and they, they still give it despite it looking super weird. Every week on Sky Germany, the commentary on Premier League games, there are at least two or three moments where the commentators are like, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh. And then Pasolik got a... Very, very late one. Yeah, four minutes into stoppage time. But the game was done. Um, Napoli beat Fiorentina, which meant that they are still top 100% record. Quick one about the racist chanting against uh, black players for Napoli, to the point where Victor Simon actually came after and came out and tweeted about it afterwards, mm. about this having their place in football. It's just a striking, I mean, you know, footballers get this abuse all the time. It's just striking when players actually come out and say something, you get a sense that it's slightly worse than the norm, mm. if that makes sense. So yeah, that was a bit of a downer. Um, yeah, good win for Inter over Sassuolo, as you mentioned, um, I think. Um, and you've been winning the Turin Derby. Yeah, can I tell you about this? One thing I love about this, so Locatelli with the very late goal. Mm. There is a genre of managers having a dispassionate reaction to their team scoring. When managers look actually angry when their own team scores, <laughs> Allegri's face, you, from the look on Allegri's face, you would have thought Torino had a late winner. It was incredible. And I, I must say, I'm, I'm very much here for Italians, Italian football managers, are leaders, world leaders in many things, but perhaps they're the greatest at all time in angry or dispassionate reactions when their own team scores. It's just masterful. <laughs> and the funny thing with Mourinho was, when Mourinho goes to Serie A actually, and he did one, I think quite early in his time at Inter when one of his team scores and Mourinho does a brilliant dispassionate reaction. It's like, wow, you haven't only picked up the language and the dialect, you've picked up that. the energy. And I was like, I, I love this. I love this. So yeah, shout out to Allegri. Uh, I want to shout out Bologna as well, who beat Lazio 3-0. That's a massive win for them. And that uh, was, Yeah, that's yeah, an eye catch. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Quickly, before we finish on another massive, massive game, uh, Ren, the main story in France, probably beating PSG 2-0. Uh, PSG didn't register a shot on target. Wild. Although Messi hit the bar with a free kick and almost put another one Again, in. There yeah, were two, yeah, yeah. two really good free kicks from Messi, actually. Yeah. That was probably the only positive really out of that game. Yeah. My favourite game that I watched of the weekend in France, even though I didn't catch all of them, was uh, the derby. Saint-Étienne against Lyon. One all. Absolute carnage. <laughs> Red cards, pissing down rain, late penalty, and then I think it ended up going in in the fifth minute of stoppage time. Scraps breaking out. <laughs> and just loud, like... Like all the vitamins. The Saint Etienne Ultras had a massive tifo when everyone was walking out, and it was this beautiful shot where they they were following the uh, Lyon players out, and it, as they were walking out, they had these beautiful like uh, warm up tops on with lovely 
uh, typeface on the back saying Olympic Lyonnais. And then it cut up to the ultras behind it. We just had this huge banner. It was like anti Lyonnais. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very loud as well. But uh, that was a really good game. Um, we're going to finish on the Bundesliga this week. Yes. Eintracht Frankfurt beat Bayern Munich 2-1 at the Allianz Arena after being 1-0 down. It was the first time buying have lost at home to Eintracht in 21 years. And there was a couple of these in the Bundesliga this weekend as well. Like, for example, Gladbach. Gladbach's first win. Well, shout out Gladbach quickly. 3-1 over yep. Wolfsburg in Wolfsburg. Another, another red card for Wolfsburg. And another penalty. They're feeling something, aren't they're they? They're channeling their inner Van Bommel. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I cracked them. I cracked them. But that was the first time that I think they'd beaten... Wolfsburg in Wolfsburg in 18 years, which is a weird start. You wouldn't think that Gladbach would have gone that long without beat. It's not like Wolfsburg, like PSG or something like that. It's like when you, you know, when you, you know that, that, those videos on YouTube and like cats are just like strangely terrified of cucumbers. And you're like, why is Gladbach in Wolfsburg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Wolfsburg are like very good, very resilient team, but they're not a team you'd think of that every year you go and just not get, not mm. get three points like week, year in, year out. We're going to big up their former manager, Oli Glasner, yeah. who obviously moved to Eintracht Frankfurt this summer. What a resilient performance this was. Let's have a quick look at the numbers very quickly. So Eintracht win 2-1, despite having only 27% possession. Mm. Expected goals for Bayern, 2.46. Eintracht, 0.35. 675 passes completed for Bayern to 174 for Eintracht. Only 59% pass success for Eintracht. But again, this is all in the context of your shock absorbing because the Bayern team that was named was formidable, right? But having said this, so I didn't watch this game live, but a lot of people, I said, my goodness, this result. And then a load of people just replied, they were like, Kevin Trapp. Yeah. So I watched the whole game back after the uh, Liverpool City game. And yeah. the amount of times that the commentary on commentary, it was again, Trapp. Wow. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Trapp was. Pretty incredible, actually, in this game. It's weird. When he first b- broke onto the scene, he was kind of looking like a long-term, like, high-end German keeper. Made that move to PSG. They came back on loan. Didn't really work out PSG. It's a very good goalkeeper, Kevin Trapp. It's a shadow of Neuer, though. True. But it's like, it's like Toldo at Fiorentina. Yeah. Toldo was absolutely brilliant. Or Sebastian, Sebastian Frey. Sebastian Frey oh. over at Palmer. Like, those amazing keepers that are never going to be the, the first choice. From a Bayern point of view, they should have been outside at halftime. Gnabry hit the post. Lewandowski put one over. And Lewandowski had that header, which Trapp saved with his foot from point blank range, that, which was that, that, absolutely incredible save. That was legitimately the one save. Because the other saves I saw, there was one from a corner, I think, that gets whipped and he tips around, which is, again, brilliant. Mm. But those saves at the, but within a few minutes of each other, that save in particular, the one from Lewandowski is it was, it was that one. off the scale. And the, the scale. other one that was actually super impressive was the from Leroy Sané's volley. Because even though that was from distance, okay, yeah, he didn't quite see it all the way. And that was, right. a, and it was traveling, like really, really traveling. In fact, a quick shout for Leroy Sané, who's been quietly very last impressive for Bayern. Yeah, last few games. Feels like he's really turned the corner. He got a standing ovation yesterday where he was dribbling through the box, got, got his pocket picked and then chased all the way back, managed to get the ball back and laid it off almost around the halfway line for Bayern. He was really, really good for Bayern and he yeah. has been pretty good for a few games now. This wasn't quite like uh, Atleti Barca, even though the percentages, p- possession-wise, break down uh, like break down similarly. But like in terms of chances created, like Eintracht just didn't really do anything. No, we had a set piece goal, and the break, um, and the, at the time when they scored, uh, it was really they they'd not really done much at all. Yeah, the legend that is Martin Hinteregger, Eintracht captain, assisted by Philip Kostic. Kostic quietly. He's a playmaker who doesn't necessarily get all the kind of fanfare mm. outside the Bundesliga that he should do. It's funny, there are some playmakers who are brilliant in the Bundesliga where the name doesn't travel as far as it should. And he's it was 28 now. Mm. And once again, just he's reliably very, very good for them. And it was so fitting that he got the winner here. Great finish. Uh, quite similar to the Foden goal, actually. Mm. Uh, I think which you might have mentioned earlier. A drive from um, left to right. And yeah, play went under the radar, but a great win for him uh, personally. And Glasner as well, we were talking about, you know, it's been a difficult, difficult start at Eintracht. Mm. Uh, but there have been positive signs. One thing I want to say about this as well is purely selfish. Nagelsmann was wearing my track jacket. Oh, you have that? Love, love wins, yeah. 
Love wins. Well, it didn't win yeah. yesterday. It didn't <laughs> win. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, all of this without Daichi Kamada. Legend. But uh, let's talk about... I mean, Leon Goretzka's golf, by the way, was lovely. Really lovely nice, goal. Yeah. And he's, he's, again, just been brilliant. Upa Makano had a little wobble in the second half. And Jens Hauger, like, just... Uh, was causing him a load of problems when he came on. I don't know why they let him go on loan, Hauger. I really liked I him at Milan. I really, really yeah. liked him. And I thought he was part of that new configuration. Maybe he felt he wouldn't get regular games. Uh-huh. Because if you see the form of like, some of the playmakers there, some of the forward line, mm-hmm. you can see why he might think he might not. Because he was coming on as a sub quite a bit last year anyway. Mm. And Bram Diaz has been brilliant. Um, but he's a real asset for, for Eintracht. He's going to give defenders different kinds of problems. He's so direct. He runs really, really well in the channels and he combines, mm. he's really good at link-up play. Mm. But yeah, even the Kamada thing on the bench, that's just a sign from Glasner. Like Glasner is one of the most pragmatic, he's one of the most defensively pragmatic coaches in the Bundesliga. Well, I think he knew that this was going to be course, a real yeah, onslaught yeah. and like, as we're, I mean, we're massive Kamada fans. Here. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with how the tactics played out. Even Not at all. I mean, they just, they, I mean, to be honest, they just had to win the game. Right. You know, they hadn't won a league game this season. Um, their only victory was against Antwerp in the week. This was very much a Mason Mount type game. Like, yeah, I mean, if you think like they lost the opening game to Dortmund and then they drew one, two, three, four, five, six games in all competitions in a row. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back-to-back wins in, a, in, in different competitions in the week, especially with this one against Bayern and like going into the international break is a massive plus for Eintracht because this is quite a good squad. It's probably an underrated squad in terms of, because there are no like, you know, Kostic is probably the superstar if you're going to talk about yeah, superstar. Yeah, there, there is, yeah. Which Obviously, is, like, yeah, Jovic yeah. has gone again back to Real Madrid. It's like, they didn't keep him on loan. They've lost Rebic last season. They've lost Andre Silva to RB Leipzig. Yeah. They've lost a lot of the kind of star power. Yeah. And we said it a number of times when Glasner was at Wolfsburg, how, like, no one just, no one really talks about Oli Glasner. No one really did it at Wolfsburg. And it's partly down to Wolfsburg as well, but still. It's their first win of the season. They're under a new manager, but we've seen this throughout the entire Bundesliga this season. Eintracht, not massively impressive yet. Gladbach, starting to turn the corner under Adi Hutter, but started pretty poorly. Yeah. RB Leipzig, really up and down. Really, really up and down. I mean, they won 3-0 on the weekend against Bochum, but like, they should be beating Bochum. They should be yeah, absolutely be burying Bochum. Right, right, yeah. Maybe if Ilaix catches fire for them, if he starts getting some games, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Everyone's kind of a bit groggy at this point. Bayern obviously slipped up against Eintracht, but they played pretty well. They should have probably. Yeah. 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 And also Eintracht have been weird for them in recent years anyway. Oh yeah. They stung German in the Cup. finale. Yeah. yeah. Then then it got rid of Kovac as well. So they've, they've been trouble. Like this is one you look at, you know, we say in football, how you can draw the wrong conclusions for like from certain mm. results. This is a classic example of like, actually Bayern can look at this and be like, these happen. These unfortunately happen. They've got Hertha at home in the next game and you would expect Eintracht to, to beat Hertha at home, especially off the back of such a good result. Hertha, by the way, lost to Freiburg on the weekend, who are in the top four. Yeah, remarkable. Early days, but still. I mean, we are Christian Strike ultras. We are indeed. So, anything else you want to shout out in the Bundesliga? Dortmund beat Augsburg, scraped by? Yeah, it was just fun to see Holland in the crowd. Obviously loving it. I love that. I love, I love when players are visibly into it like that mm. and watching it. Like, you know, when Messi took his kids to the, um, was it the Classico? Yeah. And he was uh, watching it, absolutely been, yeah. loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love to see that. Uh, but otherwise, no, pretty much as you were. Uh, Union, Union beat Mines in Mines. Couple of goals at Arwenee. So I quit chat for Union only because they also got a good win against Maccabi Haifa in the Europa League. Yeah, conference. they're doing well in Europe. Yeah, yeah, looking good, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bayer Leverkusen are impressive, man. Patrick Schick's got six goals this season. Florian Verts is top of the assist charts as well. So, I mean, they're, they're level on points with Bayern at the top of the table. On 16 points, Dortmund are a point behind. And it is, after the international break, Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich. See if they hold tight this time, like last year. Yeah. Anything else you want to shout out or should we bounce? No, that's good. That's great. Good roundup. Like that. Good vibes. Yeah, yeah. Well done, team. Right. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Getting back, if you can. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer righty's house on Wednesday with Musa and Mayoa Stadio Actress playlist on Spotify we are playing out on Blue by the Moritz von Otzwald trio Berlin legend Moritz I like that uh, anything you want to add Musa or nothing further your honour come on there must no be new theories no no there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing drop there's a nothing. take drop a take drop a take <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, here's a take for you. Argentina going to win the next World Cup. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, enjoy that. And we'll be back on Thursday. Much love. Bye. <laughs>